Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. Thank you so much. Again, uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Christina Shapiro and uh, Jackie Owens uh, for the work they do with our kids. And uh, what, what an amazing God we serve. Amen. And uh, many times it's uh, those little voices that ring out that mean, mean so very, very much. And uh, so thank you for being in the Lord's house today. I uh, I'm excited to uh, jump back into God's Word today, and it's been kind of an overcast, misty few days, but God is still good, amen? And I know everybody's looking for that sunny in 72, but guess what? You don't always get what you want, okay? And so uh, we are here this morning and uh, looking forward. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, all the way back to the beginning a couple of weeks ago. We began our message series on superheroes. Now that sounds kind of, uh, kind of different as a title, but a series on superheroes. And we began by looking at the greatest superhero of all, and his name is who? His name is Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And uh, last week uh, we took some time to celebrate all of our ladies here at Battlefield and celebrate mom. And uh, after all, I believe that in many, many homes... Mom is the superhero, amen? And so we gave our ladies the honor that they are due. And we looked at the incredible story, though. If you've never taken time to look at that story, I want to encourage you to go back and look at it. We looked at the incredible story of a woman who didn't even ask for a child, but God blessed her. And uh, that was the woman, the, the woman of God, who location-wise, we only know her by her geographical location. It was the woman of Shunem in 2 Kings chapter 4. And so it was a great story that we looked at last week. And the reality is that God's Word is chocked full of people who, quite frankly, have been used by God and empowered by God down through the years to accomplish some astonishing things. And their stories have been recorded. Certainly they've been recorded to bring God honor and glory. But I also think that these stories in Scripture that we find have been recorded for you and me. They've been recorded to remind us that just like these normal, everyday, average people that became quote-unquote superheroes by God and for God, that we too can do very similar things. In fact, Jesus told his disciples that they would do greater works. Wow, what an amazing God we serve. And so this morning I want us to consider the heroic journey of a man, if you haven't figured it out by going to Genesis chapter 6, if you haven't figured it out yet, a heroic journey by a man by the name called Noah. He was chosen, he was strengthened by God to execute God's plan to deal with sin and evil in the face of a world-ending disaster. And to, to be sure, this story is about much more than a children's story about a floating zoo. You know, it's like a lot of people like, uh, I remember when our oldest son was younger, uh, we got this, I mean, it was like a Noah's Ark. 
and it had all the little animals you could put all the it didn't have every animal by the way it only had a few and you could put all the animals into Noah's ark and and uh, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken Colby huh it was yours man that thing was not very old <laughs> see how I changed that <laughs> props right I almost got myself in trouble but Colby he liked, didn't he, he always liked to put that thing in the bathtub with him. He wanted, to, he wanted old Noah's Ark to float around with him. And we're like, no, son, this is time to clean behind your ears. And, uh, but anyway, I digress. And so, really, beyond being this ch children's story about a floating zoo, this is a great story. It really is. It's a story because it's a beautiful picture, not only of, of the judgment that God was going to bring about, but it's a beautiful picture of salvation that could only come from God himself. And so, guys, if you haven't looked at this story recently or you thought, man, I learned it all when I was four years old. I don't need to learn or hear any more about Noah. Man, you're missing the boat. You saw what I did, right? <laughs> Every once in a while, you know, <laughs> throw them up and they come back down. Oh. Uh, Anyway, let's jump right in. I want to jump right in very briefly this morning. And I know you guys are like, yeah, briefly. I've heard that before. Jump right into this mind-boggling story, really. This mission, if you please. Mind-boggling mission that Noah was given. And as we do so, I believe that Scripture is going to make it abundantly clear. A few things this morning. And if you're a note taker, we're going to jump right in even before we read Scripture. I want you to know first and foremost, Noah was different. Can I just say... It's okay to be different. It's okay to be different when it comes to the things of God, okay? Noah wasn't different like he was weird or anything. I guess the world probably considered him to be weird, but it wasn't that he was different because he was weird. It was, he was different because of how he lived his life. And so you see sin, after sin made its way, think about it, after sin made its way into the world in the Garden of Eden, you know, you know the whole story. Uh, uh, Eve gets the fruit, she gives to Adam, Adam eats, and, and they're sitting there, they, they kind of hide themselves because now they realize that they're naked. God finds them, he's like, Ali, Ali, come free, where are you at? And God says, hey, what have you done? And Noah says, well, you remember that woman you gave me. You see what Noah did? Instead of taking responsibility for his own actions, he not only blames Eve, but he blames God. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We, we end up blaming God. And he says, well, that woman you gave me, she's the one that gave me the fruit, and I did eat, and now here we are. Well, after sin came into the world, the effects of sin had scarred the world. And here's the crazy thing. In only a matter of a few generations... We're not talking a long time. Just in a matter of a few generations, we get to see this world that Noah lives in. It had become so cruel. It had become so crooked. Hello, 2022. I mean, the world was cruel and crooked and people were wicked. And they were so wicked that God had to do something about the wickedness. And notice with me, look with me in verse number 5. We'll get right in and see how Noah is different because verse number five, the Bible says that God saw, it says that he saw the wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was, watch that word only, only evil, and then watch that word after it, 
How often is it? Continually. Ongoing. It's ongoing. Verse number 6, And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him. It displeased him, in other words, at his heart. And verse number 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy. I'm going to erase man is what he's saying. I'm going, to, I'm going to get rid of man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the airs, for it repented me that I have made them. How crazy is this? The wickedness, the evil is so egregious on the earth that God says, listen, I'm going to do away with the thing that I just recently said it was good. When I looked at the end of creation, I saw everything and I said, man, it was good. Remember, the only thing that wasn't good was that man would be alone. And God says, I'm going to create for him a help meet, right? And so he said, that's the only thing. But when he was finished, he said, all of it was very, very good. But things are drastic. Drop down to verse number 11 in Genesis chapter 6 because it's a very drastic situation. And so here's where God's word tells us that the earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And that word violence means unrighteousness. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And so the world that Noah lived in was immersed in idolatry. The world that Noah lived in was immersed in uncleanness and every manner of wickedness. And the continuous corruption and vile behavior that was sweeping the day was so horrific that it broke God's heart. Can I just pause just for a second? It's not even in my notes. Continual wickedness by God's people breaks God's heart. Guys, if I can beg you, if I can plead with you, when we leave this place today, when we go out the doors, when we go into the highways and the byways, it is so incredibly important how we live our lives. We are representing the Creator God. When we go into the workplace, we are his representatives, whether you like it or not. If you have been clothed with flesh, you are God's rec uh, representative. You say, well, I haven't trusted Christ as my Savior. You are still a representation of all that he has created. We don't get away from that. You say, well, I didn't choose it. I didn't either. We are still his representation. And so the continuous corruption of vile behavior breaks his heart. Look at verse number 6. Again, verse number 6 says that it repented the Lord that he had made man, or that he had made man on the earth, the fact that he had actually even put man on the earth. Again, that word repented here means to sigh. It means to sigh or breathe strongly by implication to be sorry. Have you ever done this, sir or ma'am, when you're, you, ever, you ever had a discussion with your funny little honey? And you're just like, <sighs> you ever had a discussion with your kid? And you're like, this kid is wearing my nerves out. Oh, I got a response from parents on that one. <laughs> hey, wives, have you ever talked to your husband? And you're like, oh, yeah, I know it happens. <laughs> Thank you, Yvonne. <laughs> it happens. And this is what God, this is what the word of God says. It says that it repented him. Now that's King James for, it, it just made him sigh. He's like, what are they doing? I've given them everything. I've blessed them with everything. And yet there's continual wickedness upon the earth. And so it's as if God's like, once again. But notice verse number 12. 
because I read it just a moment ago. Verse number 12 reveals to us why it caused God to sigh. It, it reveals why it repented the Lord so much. Look at it. The last part of verse 12 says, All flesh had corrupted, you see it? His way. It had corrupted His way upon the earth. In other words, His way means the way of God. The reality is, it was like, uh, much like Isaiah 53, 6 says, everyone during that day had turned to his own way. Isn't that what we see today? Everybody's doing their own thing, doing their own business. In fact, Proverbs 14 and verse number 12 and Proverbs 16, verse 25, they say the exact same thing. They say that there is a way which seems right unto a man, but the ways thereof are the ways of death. Oh, it's so incredibly important when we look at what Scripture has to say. Humanity, if you please, had failed the test of life. Have you ever failed a test? Man, have you, let's just do this. Let's, let's be honest. This is, this is okay. You're among people who actually love you. Have you ever failed the retest? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me put both my hands. You know what I used to do years ago? I tell people this all the time. I used to pray for patience. You know what God does when you pray for patience? He gives you a test. He's like, hey, bro, you want some patience? I got to put you to the test. And then when I lose my patience, he's like, uh-huh, you failed. Retest tomorrow. And you're like, okay, let me go prepare. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get ready for the test. And then the test comes tomorrow. And then you feel like you failed it again. And so it didn't take me long. That's one thing about me. It didn't take me long to figure out I needed to stop praying for patience. Because I was getting tested all the time. Oh, listen. They had, they had failed the test of life. God had given them a choice between good and evil. And they continuously, the Bible says, continually chose evil. But there was one man. You say, are you kidding? There was only one man. There was one man who was different, amen? One man who was different. One man who stood out from amongst the crowd. One man who God looked at and God saw and God said, that's my man right there. His name is Noah. And I can tell you, you can do the same. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says in verse number 8 of our text, it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, that grace, that he, he found favor. He found favor with God, which is an amazing thing. By the way, this is the first time we see the, the implication or the word or the directive of grace in God's word. It's to dealing with, Moses, or, or with Noah here. It says that he found grace in the eyes of God. But what is it that made Noah different? Look at verse number 9, because here it is. In verse number 9, we get a threefold answer. Here it is. Noah was just. He was a just man and perfect in his generations. And the Bible says, and Noah... Watch this. Noah walked with God. Notice the threefold phase here. It says he's a just man. In other words, he was a righteous man. He's a man of faith. It says that he was not only that, he was perfect in his generations. In other words, the Bible is saying that Noah was without blemish. He was free from contamination. You say, how is that possible? I mean, I live in 2022, and how is it possible to be free from contamination? How is it free to, how is it possible to be without blemish? I can tell you how it's possible. It's when we start relying on God rather than ourselves. It's possible when we walk with God. It's possible when we walk by faith and not by sight. It's possible because the Bible tells me in the book of Job that there was another man. 
and his name was Job. And the Bible says in chapter 1 that he was a man that turned away from evil. He was righteous. He was a man who trusted God. He was a man who turned away from evil very much like we see here with Noah. While everyone else is walking in wickedness, Noah is walking with the Lord. As humanity continues to spiral out of control, sin after sin, Noah stands strong. Do me a favor. Hold your spot in Genesis 6 and turn all the way over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see something in Hebrews chapter 11. One verse in Hebrews chapter 11. All right, those who are turning, when you get there, if you're at Hebrews 11, would you say amen? amen. All right, you're saying, well, you're going to show me the verse anyway, aren't you? Well, maybe. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, look at it. Verse number 7. It says, by faith, watch this, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Diane, we were talking, where's Diane Fitzwater? We were talking about something like, you. we were having a discussion, being warned of things not seen as yet, watch this, moved with fear. In other words, he was thing, God starts to reveal his plan to Noah about things that he's not seen yet, this, this deluge that's getting ready to come, this judgment. He's never seen judgment like this yet. And so notice what Noah does. It says that he moves with fear. You say, well, was he scared? No, he wasn't scared about his own, his own damnation or anything like that. He was moving with fear in reverence to God. He was moving in reverence to God of what God was saying he was going to do. But he was also moving in reverence to God with an awful sense of what was about to take place. Do you think that Noah had some people that he had come into contact with before that maybe he liked, but he knew they were not living for God? Listen, we all have friends and family and co-workers and people that we meet in the marketplace that have not trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. But guess what? We still love them, don't we? We still care about them. We still want the very best for them. And so this is, I can only imagine what's going through Noah's heart as God starts to reveal, guess what? I'm going to exact judgment. And Noah begins to think in his mind's eye about all the people that he knows, all the people that are not walking with God, and he starts to say, no, as if he only says it quietly in his heart. It says he moves with fear. Notice it says he prepares an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. In other words, it's not like he's going around pointing the finger, wagging the finger, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. No, Noah starts preaching the message that God had given him about what was to take place. And he says he became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Through his faith, through his obedience, and through his actions, Noah confronts the culture of his day. Sadly, I'll be honest with you, sadly, to no avail. As we know from the rest of story. Sadly, to no avail. But we can be encouraged today. The reality is that we can be encouraged because Noah reminds us that even though you and I live in a world much like the world that Noah lived in, by the way, the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Uh-oh. I referenced 2022 and how things are starting to look a little bit like Noah's time. As it was in the days of Noah... So shall it be when Jesus comes back. Cause us to pause and think a little bit this morning. You see, Noah reminds us that even though you and I live in a world 
filled with uncleanness and wickedness and idolatry. And we could go on and on, but that's not the point of the message. The point is that like Noah, you and I too, we can walk with the Lord. We can stand up. We can stand up for the things of God in 2022. Amen? Please say amen. You can stand up and walk with the Lord in 2022. Man, got crazy on that, amen. You know, I'm sure of Noah, I'm sure that Noah and his family. Anybody here face difficulties? Today? Yesterday? This past week? I'm sure that Noah and his family face difficulties with great regularity. After all, he begins preaching this message of God's condemnation on people. He begins telling people what's going to happen. He begins to share. People start considering him to be different, to be weird, because he's building a what? What is that monstrosity of a thing that you are building? Can you imagine what they said? A hundred, guys, you got to put it in a hundred and twenty years to get all the supplies, to gather all the supplies, to build it. Tim, he didn't have power tools. <laughs> he didn't need them, that's right. He didn't have power tools. He didn't have all the comforts of building uh, such a structure as you and I have today. And yet he faces these difficulties, he and his family. But I believe that with God, he was able to lead his family well. He was able to lead his family well and to overcome any criticism or condemnation that he would have been subjected to. By the way, interestingly enough, in Hebrew, his name Noah actually means rest. His name means rest, which suggests there was a quietness about Noah. A steadfastness, a quietness, an inner quality or strength that he had been blessed by God with. And so it proved to be very beneficial to him, no doubt. By the way, we're called to be different. You say, where do you get that? Where, you come out with this stuff that Noah's different, and now you're telling us that we're called to be different. Well, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he says in Romans 12, 2, that we're not to be con uh, conformed to this world, but that we're to be transformed, right? He says we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that you may prove what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect will of God. Now, what I want you to see in that verse is it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That means be different than you are. Be different than you were. That's what was going on in Noah's life. Guess what? He started to trust God. He started to walk with God. He started to believe in what God was doing. And guess what? He was different because of it. Can I tell you? If you'll walk with Jesus, you'll be different. And you don't have to be a weirdo to do it. You can walk with Jesus and be just like uh, the guy sitting right next to you. You know, the, the only difference between me and somebody who hasn't trusted Jesus is that. There's no other difference. I'm covered with the same flesh. I'm still, uh, still struggling, still focused on battling the same devil. I mean, everything's the same. The only difference is that I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. Man, I love that. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. The Bible says I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Guess what? If God does the sealing, you can't do the taking. I know, I know that's, that's a different topic for a different time. But once God does the sealing, you can't do 
the taking. You know, Philippians chapter 2, I didn't give it to the guys upstairs, but Philippians chapter 2 in verse number 5, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I tell people all the time, you want to have the mind of Christ, here it is. It's his word. If you want to have the mind of Christ, get into his word. And so Noah, Noah is a man, he's walking with God, he's talking with God, and he understood that according to the life that he was living, it was okay to be different because it was God who was actually the difference maker in his life. He understood that it was no ability, it was no talent, it wasn't his bank account, it wasn't his wife, it wasn't his children, it wasn't anything else that he had that made him different. He understood that it was God who made him different. And so Noah was different. Secondly, Noah was devoted. Noah was devoted in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5. Noah is called a preacher of righteousness. And so when people are laughing at Noah, he just keeps on sharing and living out his faith. They laugh at him. He keeps talking about the Lord. Honestly, the secret sauce, so to speak, of his success is found in verse number 9 where it says that he walked with God. And by the way, when it says he walked with God, that has very little to do with walking and a whole lot to do with how he was living. It wasn't as if he and God were taking uh, quiet walks along the beach at Myrtle Beach together. Now, it's okay to take a walk, no matter whether you're at Myrtle Beach or any other beach, and to meditate on the love and the truth of God and His Word. But that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fact that Noah, Noah, yes, he was different. Why was he different? Because he was devoted to walking with God. God. In other words, he had agreement with God. He was in agreement with God and his purpose. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to guess and go out on a limb and say he didn't understand it all. Do you think you'd understand it all if God said, hey, here's what's going to happen, big guy. Appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to need you to uh, build this uh, ark and I'm going to go over here, here in just a second to the monstrosity of what you, which it became. But this is what I'm going to do because I'm going to judge the world. I'm going to send a flood that you've never seen. I'm going to send the likes of rain that you have never experienced. And you're not even going to know what's going to happen. But this is what I'm going to do. Are, are you okay with that? I'm guessing the first response is no, God, I'm not okay with that. Because I have some friends that are not walking with you. And God, I don't, I, 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 don't, I, don't want this, I don't want this judgment to come on my friends. And so, God, just give me some time. I'm going to give you 120 years to tell them about me. I'm going to give you 120 years. Is that enough? Is 120 years enough to tell somebody that I love them? And then they need to walk with me too. And so this is what Noah does. The reality is I'm sure they're having them. I'm sure there will be times that you and I don't want to agree with God's plans. There have been times in my life where I have not been in agreement with things that I've had to face. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it didn't change him one iota. You see, Noah, he understood that there's no greater life than a life that is committed and in complete trust of God's plan and God's purposes. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture, it says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean, unto thy own, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Look at verse number 5 again. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart, not a portion of it. 
See, the mistake that we make a lot of times in life is we're like, hey, God, I'm going to give you Sunday mornings. I'm going to trust you with about an hour and a half. And, Lord, if you could get that pastor to finish a little early, I'd appreciate it. All right, I'm going to give you this. Uh, Drive time, I'm going to give you two and a half total hours this week. Out of my 128, I'm going to give you, uh, God, I'm giving you drive time. I'm giving you this. But after that, God, all bets are off. No, the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. See, Noah had to understand that it wasn't about him, but it was all about God. This is exactly what he did. He didn't, and by the way, here's something. Have you ever seen people who try to outrun God? They're like, God, I, I, it must be God's will, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Listen, you better be careful about trying to outrun God and you need to be careful about lagging behind God. And so Noah He just trusted God and executed God's plan. It was a 120-year plan. That, to me, boggles the mind. In Psalm 37, the Bible indicates that if we'll commit our way unto the Lord and trust also in Him, that Lord, He, He's the one that will bring it to pass. As James 4, 8 says, we can tell by how God actually responds to Noah We can see how God responds to Noah, that Noah was a man that understood what James 4, 8 says when it says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. This is what he did. In other words, there was a consistent devotion to God about Noah and throughout his life. And by the way, that consistent devotion, I believe, is what empowered him to be different. So the fact that he was devoted is what enabled him to be different and to walk with God. One of the realities of life is that When you spend time with someone, watch this. When you spend time with someone, that person tends to rub off on you, doesn't it? You ever been around somebody that has rubbed off on you in a bad way? Come on, be honest. I think we've all been around people that you, man, I love this dude. But but every time I get around him, he's always leading me down a path, the primrose path that I shouldn't be on. And I know I shouldn't be on that path, but man, he's my, he's my bud. He's my confidant. He's my closest friend. I went to grade school with him. I mean, I mean, what do you want me to do, Pastor? I want you to be very careful with who you hang out with. I think God wants us to be very careful with who we hang out with. By the way, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be out talking and witnessing and loving on a culture that still needs to hear that Jesus loves them. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point is that there's a a difference in trying to uh, be a friend to someone and to love them and to share the truth of Jesus with them and then just going to every raunchy place and hanging out with them and getting steeped up in everything that they're all steeped up in. Because the reality, it's going to rub off. You can't play in that sandbox and and not get sand in your toes. You'll get that later. But here's the opposite side of that. And I think Noah understood this. The more time we spend with God, the more time you and I spend with our Lord, I just happen to believe that we'll become more like Him. You can't be around... You can't be around this book. You can't be in this book. You can't be around God's people and that not start to rub off. If it ain't rubbing off, the reason is you're not spending enough time and you're not spending enough time with God's people. Listen, 
Listen, I'm not the greatest guy since sliced bread, but guess what? I'm all right. My wife said so. It's like, but you're the pastor. Okay, that and $5 will get me a gallon of gas. Guys, we're not built to do this alone. We need one another. That's why, men, that's why I'm asking you, that's why I'm imploring you to sign up. Because in an hour and a half, every blue moon on a Saturday morning to eat breakfast and hang out and fellowship with one another, encourage one another, I mean, it's so vital. Iron sharpening iron. We need it. I need that fellowship. And whether you realize it or not, you need it as well. Oh, yes, Noah was different. He was devoted. I wonder if we're devoted. I wonder if we've devoted ourselves completely to the Lord and His ways. And then finally, I close with this last thought. Noah was diligent. He was not only different and devoted, but he was diligent. You see, God had revealed to Noah what he was going to do. He says, hey, listen, I'm going to exact judgment. I'm going to remove evil from the earth. And I'm going to use a flood, which, by the way, the world hasn't seen yet. I'm going to exact judgment, which the world has not ever seen, the such of this type of judgment. And here's what I need you to do. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the reset button, if you please. And what I need you to do... It's what we find in Scripture. Look back at, at Genesis chapter 6. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13 in following. And God says unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy or I will erase them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion that which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth 50 cubits, the height 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make uh, to the ark, and in a cubit, or 18 inches, shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set on the side uh, thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth. Can you imagine Noah's thinking, what is he talking about? What is a flood? See, we, we take things for granted. We're like, oh, yeah, we've seen floods before. Noah hadn't. He says, he says, I will bring a flood upon the earth, waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Oh, that's not a real good feel-good message. But with thee, verse 18, will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee, and they shall be male and female. Hmm. God says even the animals are male and female. Go figure. Verse 20, of fowls after their kind and cattle after their kind and every creepy thing of the earth after its kind, two of every sort shall thou come unto thee and keep them alive and take thou unto thee of all the food that is eaten <laughs> that thou shalt gather it to thee and it shall be food for thee and for them. In case you weren't paying attention, Here's what God's saying. God's saying, hey, listen, I need you to uh, uh, build a huge boat built from cypress wood or, or this gopher wood. Uh, I need you to uh, waterproof it inside and out because it's going to have to float. He says, I'm going to need you to build decks throughout the interior. I need you to make it 450 feet long. I'm going to need you to make it 70 feet wide, 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. That's a ship. 
That's not a boat. That's a ship. Anybody ever been on a cruise line before? That's a cruise vessel. And he says, you're going to build it. No, no skill saw, no circular saw. You're going to build it. You're going to put it together. You're going to seal it. You're going to do all these things. You're also going to make this opening 18 inches, a cubit, 18 inches all the way around so you can get some fresh air inside of the boat uh, because you're going to have to breathe inside of there. And so you're going to get some fresh air. You're going to put a door on the side, build three decks, first, second, third level. And then here, Noah, here's the greatest one of all. You're going to have to convince your wife. Man, I don't even know. That probably took 120 years in itself. He said, you're going to have to convince your wife. You're going to have to convince your boys and your boys' wives, your daughter-in-laws, to get in that thing with you. Wow. I don't know if you figured it out, but as God's getting ready to hit this great reset button, I can only imagine Noah thinking, okay, first of all, what is a boat? What is a flood? What, what are we doing here? What, what is God asking me to do? And so it's very important that we don't become so familiar with the story, that we miss the magnitude of what God is asking Noah to do. It's truly an enormous project of faith. And, and yet, look at verse 22 of our text. I didn't even read it. And yet verse 22 says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. In fact, if for those who are uh, big theological thinkers, that verse in itself is a chiastic structure. You got the first and the end. In other words, the word did. Noah did. Look at the middle. There's the center of it. He did all that God commanded him to do. So for 120 years, this guy, he labors obediently, he labors reverently, and he labors diligently to do, that God in, do all that God instructs him to do. Today in 2022 in the movies, many times, superheroes. Superheroes end up, in fact, we talked about them as we started our series. Superheroes that we like to talk about, Superman, Batman, uh, oh, Iron Man, and and on and on. Is Aquaman a superhero? I guess we'll throw Aquaman in there, right? We can go through all of the superheroes. But superheroes in the movies tend to be the guys, watch this, who bend the rules a little bit. Superheroes in fictitious movies are guys who kind of not only bend the rule, but they seem to color outside of the line every once in a while. But folks, when God is drawing up the plans... When God is, is setting the plan in motion, he needs someone who's going to follow the rules explicitly. In Hebrews chapter 11, I want you, if you guys will show it, that verse one more time. Hebrews 11 and verse number 7. The Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness by faith. If you notice this verse, you also see the chiastic structure in play because it's bracketed at the beginning and at the end with the words, by faith. You want to be a superhero? It's going to take faith. Because it's not about me being a superhero or you being a superhero. It's about exercising faith so that God can do exactly what he did with Noah. And God is ultimately the superhero. Oh, listen, it's vital. It's vital that we exercise faith because the verse right before this says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And so Noah believes God, he exercises faith, and ultimately he's rewarded by God. By the way, if Noah had refused or failed to follow God's instructions explicitly, it would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster. And the same is true for us. When we fail to follow the directions, here they are. The directions have been given to us. And when we walk with God, and when we follow the directions, things have a way of working out better than when we decide that we're going to do things in our own plan. Right? We're going to follow our own way. As we know from God's Word, Noah's life and the lives of his family were saved physically. But folks, even greater than their lives being saved physically is I'm reminded from Hebrews chapter 11 that because of their faith, their lives were saved eternally. Noah was a man of faith. I can't even begin to imagine what it was like for him. 120 years building an ark, sharing God's message. Watch this. With not a single convert. Nobody. Nobody responding to the message. Despite living in a cruel and corrupt world, Noah remained committed. Nobody responded, but he remained committed. Yes, he was different. Why? Why was Noah different? Because he was a man of faith. Yes, he was devoted. Why was he devoted? Because he walked with God and he was diligent because he carried out all of God's plans. Friends, this is what real heroes do. Real heroes, real biblical heroes, this is exactly what they do. They exercise faith, they walk with God, and they actually obey what God has to say. That's how you become a biblical superhero. There's nothing else to it. They exercise total dependency on God. By the way, flip over one verse, Genesis chapter 9. Look at that. Genesis chapter 9. Look at verse 29. You say, man, we're going to fast forward to verse 29. Yeah, this is the end of it. Watch. Verse 29 says, and all the days of Noah. By the way, it was 600 when the rain started falling. So he still had 350 years left. Those of you who think you've reached the age of, of uh, not doing anything for Jesus, I got news for you. You have not reached that age yet. Brother, I'm retired. Uh, tell that to Noah. 600 years old, right? So what, we got 480. He's 480 when he starts building this ark. 600 when the rain starts falling. <laughs> 601 when he finally gets out of the ark and now he's 950 watch it says in all the days of Noah were 950 years and watch what happened to old Noah and he what and he died yeah Noah did some incredible things by faith the Bible says we just read it you believe the book you believe God's word the Bible says that he lived to be 950 years of age but the Bible also says that he died. You see, it's not about the number of years that Noah lived that counted. It's about what he did with the years that he was given. He was a man of faith. He walked with God. He was a man who obeyed God. And even though he couldn't save himself, God intervened and saved him and his family because he did so. If you're here today and you might be thinking, how does this message apply to me? Well, it's very simple.
God told Noah he's going to judge the world, and Noah either had to agree with God's plan or he could have disagreed with God's plan. The same is true for each and every one of us. You say, I've never, I've never trusted Christ. The reality is Noah came to the point where he was in agreement with God. He actually understands, guess what? I'm not God. And so I have to put my faith in something other than myself because myself is not going to save self. And now God is telling me he's going to exact judgment on a world that is breaking his heart. And so what do I do? I have a choice. I'm either going to walk with God or I'm not going to walk with God. And so if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, see, it seems fun and it seems, it seems kind of fancy free to walk in our own way. But the Bible says that my ways and my thoughts are not his ways or his thoughts. They don't even compare. In fact, the Bible re re talks about God's ways and his thoughts being much higher than mine. And so if, you've, if you're here, you're watching online and you've never trusted Christ, can I beg you? Please stop playing around with God's grace. Please, he loves you. He gave himself for you and he wants to have this intimate relationship with you. And all he's saying is, listen, if you believe that I am the son of God, you believe that I died for the sins of the world, then place your faith in me for the forgiveness of your sin. And guess what? I'm going to throw a little cherry on top of that ice cream sundae. It's called everlasting life. By the way, Everlasting life's coming whether we know it or not, whether we're going this way or that way. I just think it makes sense. I just think it makes sense to trust in the risen Savior of the world. There's evidence of that. It's not fictitious, Bible, circular reasoning, circle speak. There's evidence. The tomb is still empty. What do they do with him? Well, he stole the body. You, you can go all down these rabbit trails and conspiracy theories all we want, but it doesn't change the truth one bit because the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Why not do it now? Why wait until then and there? Why not do it now? If you're here today and you say, well, I'm already saved. You're talking to somebody else. No, I'm talking to you as well because Noah sets that example for us. You see, because as people look at your life, as I'm sure the people back then looked at Noah's life, do they see that you, sir, or you, ma'am, or you, young person, do they see, do your friends see that you're different? Not in a weird way, but in a godly way? Do they see that you're devoted to walking with God day in and day out, no matter the highs, the lows, or the in-betweens? And do they see that you're actually not only different and devoted, but do they see that you're diligent in that you actually will do all that God commands us to do? It's pretty important that even if you're a child of God this morning, that we learn the lesson from Noah. And so as we begin a time of prayer, if you've never trusted Christ, can I tell you this? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him right now. You say, how do I do that? By simply calling upon the name of the Lord. You say, that's crazy. It can't be that simple. Yeah, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it. That's the bottom line. It's not about your good looks. It's not about your money. It's not about your job. It's not about your family. It's not about me. It's not about anybody in this room. It's about the fact that God so loved the world. He loved us even while we were sinners, even while he was disappointed in us. He loved us and said, you know what? I'm going to make a way where there is no way. Because my way is best. 
you've never trusted Christ, do it today. I beg you. If I had the ability, I'd pay you. But that wouldn't work. It's got to be from here. But if you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, quietly under yourself, just call upon the name of the Lord. You don't need me to do that. You say, well, I don't know what to say. Say just that. Say, I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. And I'm grateful that if, based on your word, that I can call on you and you'll save me. You guys know this. Many of you know this. I tell people all the time, I don't preach, I don't preach a, a Catholic Jesus, a Baptist Jesus, an Episcopalian Jesus, a Methodist Jesus, or a Lutheran Jesus. What other Jesus? I mean, we can, Presbyterian Jesus. I just preach and teach people about Jesus. I grew up the son of a Methodist minister. How's that for funny fun? Ha ha. I grew up the son of a Methodist minister of music. I now stand before you as the preacher of a Baptist church. You tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. But I learned a long time ago, as my dad taught me. It's not, a, it's not about a Methodist Jesus. It's just about Jesus. Call upon him. He'll save you. You'll, be, you'll begin... You'll begin, hey, by the way, when you trust Jesus, you're going to start to be a little different. You're going to start to be a little different. That's okay. That's okay. They thought Noah was different. And we know the rest of the story there. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have now as others will be coming to be baptized, Lord that we have an opportunity to come before your throne of grace, that we can find mercy and help in our time of need. Lord, I pray that you will strengthen those here this morning that need to be baptized, that they'll come, that they'll be obedient to that call. Lord, I pray that you'll give those wisdom and strength to take a step of faith, maybe where they've never taken a step of faith before that today for the first day, for the first time in their life, that they would actually call out upon the name of the Lord, that they would say, Jesus, I need you to come into my life. I need you to change me from the inside out. I need you to begin a work that I never thought could happen, but I'm trusting you today to do that. I pray that people are making that decision right now. For those who are saved, maybe the desire is, Lord, help me to walk with you. Help me to represent you well. Help me to be devoted to you. Help me to be diligent to do all that you command. Lord, and I'll give you the praise. I'll give you the honor and I'll give you the glory for it. I'll recognize you as the one who is working in me. I'll recognize you as the greatest superhero. I'll not take the credit, but I'll give it back to you. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song of invitation, that you'll have your will in your way, God, that you'll be pleased and that you'll be glorified in it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray and for his sake, amen and amen.